You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. I got to start off this morning uh, with a little bit of a confession for you guys. Uh, Pastor Mike does a really good job about giving us some heads up uh, when we're supposed to fill in for him. Uh, we had about maybe what month and a half, two months worth of advantage, or, uh, advance notice for this one. And about that same time when, when he told us that we were going to be filling in, uh, there was a sermon or two where, as Mike was sharing with us, uh, my mind kind of went, well, I've heard this one before. I, I know what he's sharing today. So I, I'm going to start thinking about what I need to be sharing in uh, a few weeks. And I, I started drifting and daydreaming a little bit and uh, not paying attention to what, what was being shared up here. Um, and as I was going through that, that kind of got my mind thinking a little bit, well, is, is the head knowledge a bad thing? Because, you know, when we hear something enough, we kind of start getting the feeling like, I've heard that, I know that, do I really need to hear it again? Um, so that led me to think, well, I've got a really good message now. Head knowledge is bad, and it's all about relationships, and um, we, we got to be careful that we don't just focus on the one. So I'm going, sweet, got this nailed, here we go. And as I'm putting this all together and practicing yesterday, I go... Ah, crud. <laughs> we, we can't have one without the other, um, was kind of the, the big conclusion I came to as I was trying to, to put this all down on paper and get the, the thoughts uh, correlated. So head knowledge in and of itself is not a bad thing. We need to know what we believe, why, why we believe it, and just have that foundation. What we got to be careful of is not just relying upon that head knowledge and being like, well, I got this. Um, when I die and I get to heaven, I get that test. I got it aced. That, that's not what's going to happen. Um, so what that really led me to was looking at, well, how does the head really correlate with the heart? How do we put these two together and what kind of correlation between them do we have? So that's really what I want to be looking at today is kind of, we'll, we'll separate the two because that's just what I do. Um, I'm definitely, for those that know me a little, know me a lot, or don't know me at all, um, the head knowledge is something that I'm very comfortable with. Um, ever since I was in school, you know, tell me an assignment, tell me a test, I'll get the work done, and we're good to go. The relationship, the heart side of it, that one, as most guys maybe, is a little bit tougher with sharing emotions, sharing feelings, sharing things like that. Um, and again, ever since school, the relationship side of things has been more of a struggle for me. Um, so, you know, it's never that I haven't wanted uh, the relationships or the, the interactions, but just socially awkward, socially uncomfortable, and something that that I got to work on. Um, so you'll kind of see that come through a little bit as I'm sharing this morning as well. And, and then really, like I said too, how do we, how do these two go together? So where I want to start is um, just kind of, like I said, the, the head part of it. What, what do we know? Why do we need to know it? And uh, why do we believe it? So I'm going to pick a lot of different scriptures to just to look at. These are examples. Um, they're not going to be exhaustive. So as you guys start tuning me out and daydreaming and thinking, well, 
Um, he missed this one. He missed that one. What about this? That's great. If you can think of more than what I've got here today, awesome. Or if you feel like, hey, we've got a scavenger hunt where once we're done with this, we're going to go and find more, that's great. Because, again, I just it's meant to get you guys thinking. It's meant to hopefully, you know, we're learning out of the Word. I want the Word to speak. I don't want me to be speaking up here because then things get really dangerous when we're, we're just giving our own thoughts and opinions. Um, so we're just going to spend a lot of time in the Word, and I hope I get you out of here before noon, um, or, or at least 1230. <laughs> because, again, my head, I, I look at examples, and we'll just we'll, we'll start going with it. So um, let's start in Deuteronomy. Some of these we'll look at together. Some of them I'm just going to kind of go high level over. So Deuteronomy 6 is where I want to start. And we're going to first read verses 4 through 9. So I'll give you guys a little bit of time to find that one. And perfect. Most of the wrestling is done. So Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And then staying in uh, chapter 6 here, let's jump over to verse 20, and I'm just going to take us through the the rest of the the chapter there. And uh, starting with verse 20 now. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us from Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord showed great and distressing signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in to give us the land which, we, which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. It will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God, just as he commanded us. So, um, again, the reason picking this one giving us just that that foundational structure of what do we believe and why do we believe it, giving us that that knowledge uh, to start from. And and again, there's more examples out there that you could find, but this was one where we could see, you know, the, the fathers are to teach the sons so that they don't forget what the Lord had delivered them from coming out of out of Egypt and slavery and and the promised land that that he had given to them. And, you know, from an Israel standpoint, they had the promised land. From us as a believer standpoint, we've got, you know, the promised land as well of eternal life with with the Lord in heaven once we die. So 
um, we need to know why we believe in what we believe it and and give us that that firm foundation under it and um, so that I, I'm trying to lay this out in somewhat of a fashionable order here um, the other reasons why we need to have this knowledge and we'll we'll kind of look at a few different ones here um, once we have the teaching we need to be able to guard and protect ourselves against others out there that might try to deceive us, might try to twist that knowledge that we have, um, or just, you know, outright um, lie about it, and then just the, the flashy things that will try to grab our attention and, and divert us from, um, you know, the, the straight path of the Lord. Um, and then we'll also look at a few ways that, you know, um, the Lord, Jesus used the, the knowledge in his interactions with people here on earth too. And he obviously had a very strong foundation in scripture um, so that he was able to use that. And we'll look at a couple of examples of what he used. And then uh, lastly, from the, the head knowledge, we'll look at an example of somebody else who was able to uh, share that knowledge with somebody that was curious but didn't know. So um, again, from just the head knowledge standpoint, it gives us that foundation and it gives us the ability to protect ourselves and, and to teach others. So in, in that light, um, when we look at protecting ourselves, I'm not going to read all of these to you, but Proverbs is a book just chock full of wisdom, knowledge, exhortations about uh, obtaining wisdom and using that to protect ourselves. Um, a few of them that I just wrote down here, Proverbs 3, the first couple of verses there you can see, and again, I'll just flip over, sorry, bear with me. Um, the first couple here in Proverbs 3, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Uh, Proverbs 4, a couple of verses here. Hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget nor turn away the words of my mouth. And on and on we could go throughout Proverbs, again, just as one book that shows uh, the importance of wisdom and applying it and really understanding it to protect us. Um, you know, Proverbs talks a lot about just the, the folly of the temptress and um, not getting sucked in by her. And it also, um, you know, pertains to so much more than, than just that. One that we will read together here. Uh, let's flip over to Matthew 4. Matthew 4, the first 11 verses. Um, this may be a familiar text for you guys, the temptation of Jesus. Um, but really with this one, what I found interesting was not only did Jesus know Scripture, but Satan did as well. Um, so let's, let's read through this one together. 
Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Um, So again, we see the devil right now is quoting scripture. He knows it as well, um, but he's trying to um, uh, get Jesus to um, give in, if you will. But Jesus then said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So again, we can see here, using that knowledge of God, that knowledge of Scripture, um, you know, we're told to resist the devil and he will flee from us. And we see that exactly right here played out with the um, conversation, the interaction that Jesus had with, with Satan. Um, and, you know, we... we <laughs> It's easy for us to give in to temptation when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're, um, you know, just at the end of our ropes. You know, imagine going 40 days uh, and 40 nights without any kind of, of food, sustenance, things like that, How just how weak we would be at that point um, and still being able to, to think of Scripture, to lean on that and, and not give in to temptation, just the, the base that, that that provides us from that standpoint. Um, so Jesus gets done with dealing with the temptation from, from Satan, and then he starts his um, ministry and going from town to town and teaching in the synagogues and calling the disciples. And, you know, you would think that would be, once you're done with the temptation from Satan, you know, things would be easy from that. Well, now he's got to deal with the Pharisees and the Sadducees all the time, um, who, again, know Scripture very, very well. Um, but they're using it not because of their love of God, but because they want to be looked at as the guys that you go to for, for knowledge and for, for instruction. And they're trying to trip Jesus up and, and get him to you know, mess up in, in his ministry so that, again, they can say, hey, we're number one. We, we got this guy, the, the um, latest and greatest, to, to trip up in, in his um, knowledge as well. And I don't have um, specific ones that we're going to look at here, but the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of them are full of these interactions that, that Jesus has with the Sadducees, the Pharisees, you know, correcting them, rebuking them, uh, fighting them off with, not literally, but, you know, the, the w- war of words uh, with the Pharisees uh, about Scripture and what it really means and how 
all of this is pointing to Jesus as the Savior um, and that he is the Son of God. Um, so, I, yeah, again, from that one, just encourage you guys, read through uh, the Gospels to find those interactions and to see just the, the way Jesus was able to correct and rebuke them. Um, and then the last one that we're going to look at with, with Jesus' interactions here is in Luke 24, um, 27, on the road to Emmaus. And again, probably a fairly familiar verse for most of us. Um, Jesus has died. He's rose again. He's been appearing to um, the disciples, uh, amongst others. And now um, two men are on the road. They um, are on the way to Emmaus and just downtrodden over the, the events that have been happening um, with the death of Christ. And Jesus comes up alongside them and starts talking and asking them questions. Well, what's going on? Why are you guys so downtrodden? And basically kind of lets them fill him in on the events of his life. Um, and then in verse 27 here, um, it tells us, Beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them in the scripture, or explained to them the things concerning him, himself, in, in all the scriptures. Um, so just taking that one line out of there, again, Jesus had the, the full Old Testament, the, the knowledge of that, being able to lay out how all of that was pointing to him and explaining it to them and, and helping them understand. And, um, you know, going through, even that didn't quite open their eyes to who it was that was walking with them. It wasn't until they sat down and broke bread together that their eyes were truly opened, more of that relational side of it, which we'll be getting to. Um, but again, the, the foundation of knowledge that Jesus had to explain to these two men um, how the scriptures were pointing to him. And, and then the final one that I want to look at here um, as it relates to just our, our foundation of knowledge is going to be over in Acts. And this is getting more into our interactions with people as well, why we need to have this. So... Um, this, this foundation of knowledge that we have isn't meant just to be a selfish thing that we keep to ourselves that, hey, I got it, but I'm not going to tell anybody else about it. Uh, we need to use it to, to help others as well. So uh, Acts eight twenty five through 35 is, is the last one I want to look at for um, kind of just the individual side of the, the knowledge. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court of the official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and had, he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, Do you understand what you are reading? 
And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. And it goes on and talks about how through that the, uh, the eunuch was baptized and um, again just continued to follow Jesus off of that. So um, again, you know, we see how this is important to have that, that foundation. Um, I might be a little out of order here, but just the, the illustration that I was thinking of as well from, from my personal side of it, um, when I was in college, I met my wife one day. Um, we, we first started going out, the, the first interaction was within a group of people, and, you know, she was kind of seeing someone else at that time, so, you know, it was just a chance to really get to know each other. Had a good time, and then a couple weeks later, we were in the cafeteria, each in our own own table, and um, I got her attention and said, do you mind if I come and sit with you? And we do the small small talk for a couple of minutes and find out that the guy that was interested in her is no longer in the picture. So I'm thinking, sweet, I got to get to know her better. So I ask her a few questions, and then me thinking that I'm all smart and coming up with a good question, goes, so what makes Carrie carry as a way to, to try to really get to know her? And we were actually talking about this last night. I honestly don't remember a whole lot of what she told me. Um, but it was a good way to get to know each other that day. And she answered, and then she looks at me, and she goes, So, what makes you, you? And I'm going, okay, she's just, you know, doing that simply because she doesn't say names all the time like I do. And we, I talked about, you know, I gave my answer, which, again, she didn't remember a whole lot about that one either. But after we got married, she goes, you know what? You know that day that you asked me that question and I, I asked you the same thing? I forgot your name. I had no clue who you were. <laughs> so obviously I made a very good impression on her that first time that we were together. The, the point being out of that one, if, if we don't even know who it is that we're wanting to learn about, then what are we learning? Um, we need to know who it is and why it is that we're learning about that person before we we can really have that, that deep relationship with them. So um, that helps get, get us over into more of that relational side. Like I said, the, the side that I struggle with. Um, I always told Carrie she's a special lady to be able to put up with me. Um, you know, she's probably the only one that would be able to be married to me. So um, as we look at the relationship side of it, the heart side of it, um, you know, we did see a little bit of overlap already in some of the, the verses that we read, but um, where I really want to start at for this one is in Matthew 22, and, you know, this is, is where um, we see a little bit of that interaction that Jesus was having with the Pharisees as well, with them trying to, to test him and, and put him to, you know, get him to slip up. 
So Matthew 22, 34 through 40 is the, the first one I want to look at for this. And again, uh, probably a very familiar passage once we start it. So um, Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. One sounds familiar. We just read that one in Deuteronomy. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So in in the answer that Jesus gave the the Pharisee, what is the greatest commandment, we can see there's two different relationships here. And again, I'm not coming up with anything new. Many of you have probably heard this before, but there's that vertical relationship that we have with, with God. And that was the first and foremost important one. And then the second one is that horizontal relationship that we have with one another here. We need to love each other as we would love ourselves. And that's, again, just kind of the the base that we have when it comes to, well, what are we supposed to do with all this? What what does this look like? Um, So as we look at, you know, that vertical relationship, how are we loving God? How how do we put him first and foremost in everything? Uh, We see... Uh, uh, one of the examples of that, um, of Jesus with his relationship with the Lord. There's, there's many times that we would read in Scripture where after his teaching and, and dealing with the people and healing and all that, Jesus would have to go off to kind of a remote, a desolate place so that he could have time in prayer with, with the Father. He needed to, to um, you know, just have that time of communication with the Lord or, or with God. Um, you know, we see it in Luke a couple of different times in chapter 5 and in chapter 11. Mark talks about it in, in chapter 14. Um, so there's obviously uh, a great deal of importance on, on having that communication. Um, and, you know, that, that communication isn't just Jesus talking to the God or us talking to God and rambling and rambling and rambling. Um, going back to getting to know Carrie, I wouldn't have done a good job getting to know her if all I did was yak, 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 hours on end and never gave her a chance to, to talk as well. She would have gotten to know a lot about me, probably that this guy never shuts up, uh, but I never would have gotten to know anything from her. So we need to you know, take the time to listen as well. Praying isn't just us laying our our requests, our list of requests before the Lord, it's taking that time to listen and to have him respond back to us as well. Uh, and, and we need to ask questions too. You know, we don't, I, I didn't learn anything from Carrie just by sitting there and going, talk. You know, I had to ask her questions. Now obviously we, we offer some information ourselves to one another in our communications, but if we really want to go deeper, we need to be willing to ask those questions and actually listen to the the responses as well from it too. Um, and you know, as the disciples were were with Jesus and they were seeing him going off, 
in, in Luke, again, 11, um, we see the question come um, from, um, I thought it was John, yeah, the question from John here. So it's just a line up from, from chapter 2 in uh, verse 11 here. Lord, teach us to pray. Um, just, or, no, sorry, just as John had also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to him, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So the disciples saw the importance of, of prayer from the example Jesus had been setting them, and they wanted to know, well, how are we supposed to do this? What does it look like? Now, that prayer we just read, that's not the magic pill that any time we say that, you know, um, we get everything or, you know, it, it's not, not meant to be this is the, um, the end-all be-all, but it's to give us that structure of, well, this is how we, we need to take that time to talk with the Lord and, and pray with him. And then again, um, as we look at, you know, the interactions that Jesus had with the disciples, um, he, there were many disciples that, that he had, but there was the t- close 12 um, that he lived life with day after day, day in, day out, preaching and, and healing and caring for and, and all of that. So, Again, if we really want to know somebody, we have to do life with them to see them in the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, if the disciples just, you know, for an hour a day went and had school with Jesus to learn a little bit what's our lesson for the day, sweet, got it, go on, go back home, and we'll, we'll do the same tomorrow for another hour, it just wouldn't have been the same. Um, so, a- again, it's it's that close interaction that we have really getting to do life together. And then, um, you know, we also see the interactions that Jesus had with the sinners, the tax collectors, the, the least of these, the undesirables. Um, and in Matthew 9 is, again, whoops, where we see one of these, kind of the, the crux of why Jesus was willing to, to come and, and interact with those um, so he had just called Matthew um, to be one of the disciples, and we'll, we'll start there. So as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So we can see from there, uh, again, just the heart of Jesus. It was those that were in desperate need of him that he came for. Uh, And and again, that, as believers, are what we are called 
to do as well. It's not just keeping this to ourselves and trying to, to grow our own faith. We do that, but that's not where it ends. We have to share that with those around us that we see are hurting and are in need and um, need the Savior as well. And then the last one that I want to look at here um, is talking a little bit more about the, the Judgment Day. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Um, and this is where we, we see the example, the, the sheep and the goats separating um, one from the other. So feel free to, to flip over there if you want to follow along. Uh, but when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one and or from one another, as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in, naked, and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, that you did not do it to the one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Um, so again, there is uh, an emphasis on, on helping those around you too. We, we need the, the relational. We need to get out from just ourselves. Um, now again, that may sound like, well, there's works tied into this. Um, obviously, there is not. You know, the our ultimate uh, salvation is by grace through faith, not that uh, is of our own doing, as we're told in Ephesians. But there is still works that we desire to do because of that love that we have for the Lord and and wanting to care for those around us. So then how do we put these two together? How do we take the head knowledge and get it down into the heart in the way that we um, relate with those together? And we've seen already some of these verses, there, there is that overlapping. We can't have, I mean, we can't have one without the other. Um, in, in Matthew 28, when Christ gives them the Great Commission, you know, go therefore, preach to all the nations, making disciples where you go. Uh, paraphrasing, obviously. Look it up if you want the, the exact um, uh, quote of it. 
Um, but again, we need to take what we know, we need to go out and we need to share it with those around us, not because we want um, the glory, not because we want to, to put a notch in our belt of this is how many people we've shared the gospel with and that we've saved, but because we're instructed to do that from the Lord. And if we love him, you know, that that vertical relationship, we're going to have that horizontal relationship and wanting to help others as well, just like Christ did. Um, in Second Timothy, you know, by, by putting these two together, we're going to be equipped um, through Scripture to, uh, again, help those around us. So Second Timothy 3, 13 through 17. I've got too many pages in here. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 13 through 17. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of them, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And the... Um, the next to last verse here that I want to look at um, is kind of the um, warning, if you will. We, we can do all of this, um, you know, but if we don't have love behind it, then, then you know, there's, there's no point in doing it at all. 1 Corinthians 13, um, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So, again, the relational. We, we got to have that, that love for Christ, the love for one another permeating from that knowledge that we have. Otherwise, you may as well just go around banging cymbals and just making a big noise. It, it's, there's no profit to it. And as we're talking about love here, how do we know that we can love? You know, where does that come from? First um, John 4.19, we love because Christ first loved us. And we know that that's true because of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whomsoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we've already seen um, what that love looks like. And that's how we're able to love as well. And not of our own doing, but through the Holy Spirit working in us, opening our eyes, showing us that we do need a Savior. Again, a knowledge. We, we know we need something. Um, we've got the desire to search the scriptures, to grow in that relationship with him. And we've got the love behind that as well that is going to want us to, to have those relationships with the Lord and with those around us. So um, 
you know, we can't do one without the other. If all we have is the knowledge, then we're no better than the Pharisee who's just putting everybody to the test to see, do you know as much as I do? And if all we have is the, the relational side of it, the love, doing good works, trying to make our good outweigh the bad, then all we are is just a good humanitarian. Um, so we got to make sure that um, we're putting them together, um, that it's, it's through Christ that we're doing all of this. Um, so how do, we, how do we grow in this? What do we need to be doing? Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, read the Bible is obviously a, a really great place to get both the knowledge, the understanding, and see the examples of, of Christ's love. Um, we've got the reading plan. If, if you need help kind of getting an idea of where to start each day, um, there's the daily bread. We've got that as well, just again as kind of a, a way to, to get into the word, to kind of get the, the appetite whetted. Um, <laughs> With the technology that we have today, I'm sure there's all kinds of apps out there that you can use as well that'll give you verses of the day, scriptures to look at, uh, reading plans. Um, we can't plead ignorance on this one. There is more than enough help out there to, to guide us through reading the, the Word of God. Um, and we need to not only read it, we, we need to spend that time in prayer. We need that uh, communication with the Lord. And, and again, um, it's not just us laying our list of requests uh, before him. It's asking him questions and taking the time to listen. Um, because, again, if all we do is yak, 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 we're not going to learn anything. We need to take the time to uh, shut up and listen so that he can talk to us and so that we can understand. Um, and then, again, just from a, a practical relationship side look for ways around you that that you can help out um you know this is probably one of the biggest ones for myself as as i'm up here you know we, we preach what we need to hear um so the the looking for opportunities to serve god serve others around us uh of putting it into play that's just as important too um so again i, I mentioned it before but we'll just close with this one um we can do all of these things, but it's not going to matter because we can't earn our way into our, our way to salvation. It's only through grace uh, or by grace through faith that we are saved, and that's of the doing of the Holy Spirit and the Lord. That's not something that, that we come up with on our own that says, hey, we need to do this, but it's the Lord working in us. So um, <laughs> if that's not where you're at, that's one of the first prayers to start with is, Lord, Give me this desire to know you and to, to love you more and to share you with those around me. So will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, um, thank you for your word. Thank you for um, providing us a way to, to know you, to learn more about you through reading um, what you have left behind for us, what you have provided us so that we can know who you are and grow deeper in that relationship with you. And thank you for providing us your Holy Spirit who works in our hearts and, and in our minds so that we can um, have that desire to, to know you, to um, grow deeper in our relationships and to 
care for those around us as well. Um, not only those that are friends and that we're comfortable with, but uh, those that we don't know and um, maybe those that we would consider the, the least of these help us to take the time to uh, interact with them and invest in them and, and share you with, with everyone around us, Father. We thank you for um, giving us good minds that we're able to understand and comprehend this, and thank you for um, the relational side that you have built into us as well, that we are not meant to be on our own, but that we are meant to um, be interacting with others. And we just pray for your, your work in, in that aspect of life as well. And Father, again, we just ask that you would continue to um, reveal your word to us. Help us to understand it through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can do on our own. Pray this all in Jesus' name. You've been listening to Bethany Radio, a production of Bethany Bible Church in Leroy, Minnesota.